Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Phone number here, 913-586-7798. Okay. Florida is where we go for this next story. About this six-year-old girl... Um, who is, uh, obviously the reason we're talking about this is because of a lawsuit that uh, stems from what happened in 2019 when she basically begged not to have handcuffs put on and not to be arrested as she cried to police that um, she was having a tantrum, I guess, Yeah, is what prompted this. Uh-huh. In school. Okay. In that, school, so they because that never happens right, ever. Because they and and then they called the cops on a little six year old girl. You know, like you do when you're in Florida and extremely stupid. So they did, and the police officer showed up, who also apparently didn't have any more brains than the teacher did. Put zip ties on a six year old, drove her, according to the family, perp walked her out through past her entire class put her in the back of the car, drove her off to juvenile detention where she was booked in on a charge of misdemeanor battery. <sighs> Mugshot taken as she stood on a step stool Yeah, because she wasn't tall enough for her face to reach where the camera was. Oh, where do you start yeah. here? With firing every adult involved in this story, including the cop, that's yeah. where you start. Yeah. Who called police? Who decided that was the way to go? Who at the police department decided to respond to the kids' tantrum? Who, after they got there, decided that the right way to handle this was anything that happened after that? No. I, none of it makes any sense at all. Did you ever see that old Bugs Bunny cartoon where Bugs Bunny cuts off Florida with a with a saw and then just <laughs> lets it float out into the Atlantic? If no. it's possible to do that, can we do that? Because I think we should do that. So one of the police officers involved in arresting her, this is a charter school, uh, was the former resource officer. Okay. Um, he was fired by the Orlando Police Department. Good. Right after this happened. So as often as the case, the school resource officer is a, a sworn officer for the local police department, which says to me, he's the one that decided, I mean, somebody told him this kid's having a tantrum. Which says to me, he's the one who said, well, let's take this a little bit further and see where this goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And somehow it never occurred to him as he was, you know, as he was playing Sergeant Joe Friday with a six-year-old girl that, boy, you know, maybe this might get me fired and get the department and the school district sued. How on earth 
did that never enter his mind? Her name is Kaya. She entered first grade during that school year with a medical condition, pediatric obstructive sleep apnea that prevents her from sleeping through the night, causing irritability and strong temper tantrums brought on by severe exhaustion. Uh, after the charter school recruited Kaya to enroll there for first grade, her grandmother informed administrators of Kaya's condition and that it could cause her to act out. So school knew this going in. School agreed to support her, meaning we're going to treat this. Um, I don't I don't have the right word there, but but we're going to treat it as something that we need to take special care for that, that we know this might cause her to act in ways that are not particularly normal. But we're going to know that's that's the reason. So on the morning of September 19th, 2019, she arrived at school wearing glasses and started to throw a tantrum when a teacher tried taking them from her. After the school resource officer was called, he warned Ka Why was the school resource officer called in the first place? <laughs> right, I know. Uh, well, what teacher can't handle a tantrum in their classroom? And then you should back up a step and say, why was the teacher trying to take her glasses away? I wondered that too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so again, we have adults involved in this story who have no brain. So nonetheless, the teacher decides I can't handle this tantrum. So I'm going to call the school resource officer. This is the guy that was later fired. He warned Kaya he would take her to jail if she didn't stop misbehaving. The only thing I will give this police officer credit for is that he did call the grandmother before taking her into custody. Grandma pleaded with him not to arrest Kaya and explained what the school already should have known, which was this is pediatric sleep apnea and that can affect her behavior. And the quote from the officer was, well, I have sleep apnea and I don't behave like that. Oh, what a putz. What a jerk. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. I, yeah, let's see if we can dig ourselves in a little bit deeper. Um, you're also not six. Yeah, pediatric His, means something. Uh, right, right. Um, yeah, I don't think he has pediatric sleep apnea. But but has anybody who's listening to this story ever dealt with an overtired six-year-old? Because I have. Yeah. In fact, I've been an overtired six-year-old, even though I'm a lot older than six. Uh, so, yeah, I... Um, it, it it's it's brainless. It's just completely, utterly brainless. And for the grandmother to be pleading with the cop, oh, please don't arrest her. At what point does the Twilight Zone nature of this story <laughs> sink in? And you and you just say to the cop, "Are you seriously talking about taking a six-year-old girl to jail?" What so? What's wrong with you? That officer contacts Officer Sergio Ramos, who brings zip ties. Because her wrists are too small for handcuffs, uh -huh. which should probably tell you something. <laughs> she yes. begs the officer through, this is all on body camera footage. I want to stay in school. I just got here as she cries. Nonetheless, this six-year-old is charged with misdemeanor battery. Now, the next day, prosecutors threw out that, that charge. But but for that day, officers saw fit to charge the six-year-old with a tantrum with misdemeanor battery. And, you know, you put yourself back in the mind of a first grader. If, if you're capable of doing that, you put yourself back in the mind of a first grader. Do you remember how, how terrifying it was? I had an older sister. And how terrifying it was when your older sister or somebody else in class or one of the, the older kids said, you're going to be in trouble. Remember when trouble was like terrifying? 
Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, like, that was the worst. Oh, don't get me in trouble. And what do you say? Give me a second chance. And that's what she did. She was begging and pleading with this cop as he was leading her off with her hands zip-tied. He, She was pleading, just give me a second chance. No. Marched her off, took her to jail, charged her with battery, booked her while she was standing on a stool. And, and, and I mean, the other thing, the, the other negative effect that this has is the obvious one. I mean... You're taking a six-year-old girl and teaching her, this is what cops are. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to come back to that, and then we'll go to your calls here in a second. Um, just that idea that she was asking for a second chance. She has a medical condition yeah. that she can't control. And we don't think about that enough, particularly with kids that are like neurodivergent. We don't think about that enough, that the, that the behaviors that they display sometimes they cannot control. They might be aware of them, but they can't always stop that. And if the school was gonna support her, like they said they were, you need to have a plan in place already for what you're gonna do when she does exactly the thing that you've been warned she might do. And like an office somewhere that she can calm down in. Oh, definitely, right. And when they, when they say we're gonna support her, what exactly did they mean by that? Because if this is what they meant, I, I don't think they, I think they need to go back and relearn what the word support means. The other thing is, I think all that is true, but I would be willing to go out on a limb here and say, even if that wasn't the case, even if she didn't have, you know, the sleep apnea and the irritability and all the stuff that goes along with it, six-year-olds sometimes have bad days. Yeah. And if she was just having a bad day and this how this is how they reacted, they would be as responsible for everything that happens in this story. The, the behavior of the adults in, in this story is just unthinkable. Yeah, we'll go to your phone. We'll go to your calls, and then a couple things coming on the text line. To yeah, talk let's about. go to Caden in Platte City up next. Hey, Caden. Hey guys, how you doing? doing? Doing all right. What's on your mind? Well, okay, so I'm, of course I'm just getting off work, so I'm listening to y'all story. The story, and first thing that comes to mind is she's got sleep apnea. So of course they don't. People with sleep apnea don't sleep. Don't have the same sleep schedules as we do. You know, people yep. who don't have it. And keeping in mind, this is a six-year-old girl, not. A you know, like this officer who's who's probably in his thirties or forties, just a, just a six year old without a sleep schedule is, you know, and they it's, they can be pretty irrational. I mean, they're a kid; their brains haven't fully developed. Just in, but if I feel like just something the school should already know. Hey, such and such kid has sleep apnea. They don't sleep well. And I knew, like for example, like I was telling when I first called in. <clears throat> I knew a kid back in elementary school who had the same issue. They had sleep apnea. And if parents would call ahead the day before and be like, you know, the kid didn't get enough sleep last night, he had sleep apnea. So that if the kid got tired and started, started throwing his fit, they would take him off, like I think Jamie just said, take him to a different room. He'd take a quick nap and he'd go back to class and just be just fine. But, I mean, to call the police department and say, and then for them to arrest him is like, I mean, for a six-year-old girl, I mean, I, it's, I, it's beyond crazy. I'm with yeah. you. Caden, yeah, good words. Thank you very much for getting in. You said there were some things on the text line you wanted to address as well? So somebody said, um, by the way, somebody on the text line loosely compared this, <clears throat> excuse me, to the six-year-old in Virginia Beach <laughs> that shot his teacher. Yeah, it's totally the same. And said, didn't a six-year-old act out and shoot his teacher? Uh, yeah, that kid had a history of intense serious violence there's no indication that this child did no 
But somebody asked, could she have been wearing sunglasses? And that's why the teacher was trying to take them away. What if the teacher was pregnant or medically fragile in some way? Also, teachers aren't supposed to physically respond or or restrain kids. You're absolutely correct. But there's no indication that this kid was being physical. I mean, a tantrum doesn't have to be physical. Right. A tantrum can be the kids on the floor, you know, stomping her, her feet or screaming, but it doesn't mean she's beating up the teacher. Sure. And the um you know the, the charge, the uh was a misdemeanor battery charge that mm-hmm. they they initially put on her and then rescinded. You gotta remember in you know in Florida, and I'm very familiar with that piece of the law when it comes to a battery charge that does not necessarily mean violence battery is any touching at all if i put my finger lightly on your shoulder and you say stop that and i don't i'm guilty of misdemeanor battery uh, by the way a couple of years after this happened a law went into effect that says you can't arrest anyone younger than seven <laughs> quite frankly arresting a seven-year-old yeah I don't know what the age is at which you should be able to do that, but certainly not for a misdemeanor. Sure. Like there shouldn't be a misdemeanor category of arrest for anyone younger than the age of 10 or 12. Right. Arrest them if they've shot somebody, right? Like take them into custody somehow if they have seriously, seriously hurt or killed someone, but there shouldn't be a misdemeanor category for that. Yeah, and what I was getting to is, you know, the, with the with the battery thing, if this was over, let's say it was sunglasses, and you're not supposed to wear sunglasses in class, so the teacher went up and took them away, and the kid freaks out. What's the kid going to do? Try and grab them back. She tries right. to grab the sunglasses back. If she touches the teacher at all when she's trying to grab those sunglasses back, that again is under the definition in the law, that's misdemeanor battery. So it could have been something as simple as that. Because what that was, what it, whatever the touching was that led to that charge initially, is not outlined in the article. We don't know. Right. Uh, 913-586-7798. Let's go to John in Olathe next. Hi, John. Hey, how are you? Doing well. What's on your mind? Uh, when I hear stories like this, I start thinking, I'm so glad I retired from education because I can't believe it. Yeah. Uh, I taught for 21 years, and I've had students throw tantrums. I've had students misbehave. And what do I do? You call the school counselor. The school counselor then, if she needs to, she contacts the school social worker, the school psychologist. But my first step was call the school counselor. If it was a discipline, really bad problem, maybe an assistant principal. Also, the nurse sends out a list of health conditions for each student allergies to nuts, allergies to eggs, allergies to latex, asthma, sleep apnea. And so there should have been a list of health conditions. And you said they're aware of it. So knowing her health condition, it sounds like a lot of people overreacted. Couldn't agree more. You think? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, John. And yeah, I, I understand why you say I'm glad I retired out of this because if you can't deal with a six-year-old girl throwing a tantrum, you should not be involved in elementary education. Yeah, so much of a kid's behavior like that and acting out is solved by taking them out of that environment. Yeah, take them out of the hall. Distract them. Yeah, disrupt them. Put them in a different room by themselves for a couple of minutes. Not all the time, but a lot of times that'll make the kid calm down. Just get them out of the environment. Mm-hmm. We need to get to a break. Gina, hang on the line if you want in. 913-586-7798. We'll be back with more of your calls next on KMBZ. If you missed the beginning of this, we're talking about this then six-year-old who was a first grader at a charter school in Orlando. 
Family had warned this charter school that she has a version of pediatric sleep apnea, that if she doesn't get enough sleep, she is uh, prone to throwing tantrums. That is what happened. A teacher um, tried to take her glasses off for what reason we don't know. And the kid threw a fit as six-year-olds are known to do. Somehow a school resource officer was called who said something like, well, I have sleep apnea and I don't act like that. So he called police. He works for Orlando police. He called other police. They arrived with zip ties because her little wrists were too small for the uh, handcuffs or they would have done that. They did a mug shot. I'm going to guess they fingerprinted her because they arrested her and charged her with misdemeanor battery, which was later dropped. Now there's a lawsuit. It dropped a day later, yes. Yeah. And and then the you know, the initial cop was fired, and uh, yeah, we go on and on and on. Let's go to Gina in Independence and see what she's thinking about. Hi, Gina. Hi. Okay, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I, I, this enrages me so much because um, I have an elementary education degree, and you take classes on how to handle people that have fits when you're doing elementary ed. Um, you have to have a special degree for little ones. And it's like, uh, did she skip those classes? I mean, if you can't handle a sixth six grader, I mean, a six-year-old handling, having a fit, why are you teaching? Yeah, it, it, exactly. And Gina, let me pick your brain a little bit on that because I'm fascinated to know, and I'm glad you called in. What What is that teaching? I mean, if you have a six-year-old who is just on the floor, pounding fists, crying you know, the whole nine, and is in a, in the middle of a giant fit like that, how do you deal with it? What do they teach you? Well, it depends on the situation and the child because every kid's going to be different. Some, you know, you can isolate them. I mean, and he, why didn't she call for help? I mean, that's one of the big things is call for help so that you can isolate the kid, maybe pull a divider so that the kid's kind of isolated from everybody else, eliminate their group, you know, so they don't have an audience. Well, there's because no show. some will yeah. do it for an audience, you know, and bring somebody else in that can talk to them quietly and patiently and try to calm them back down and you know it you don't escalate it and if this guy was a resource officer where was his training my husband's a retired officer and he had to have training for everything he had to have training on how to deal with a drunk um they had to have training for you know the drug awareness program and how to talk to kids where was this guy's training uh you have to have training to be able to talk to children because their minds don't think the same way as an adult. And I'm sorry, I, I have said it better. Yeah. Yet. And I, I didn't sleep well last night, so I'm cranky six year old. I mean, I, uh huh, <laughs> I'm 58, and I know that when I don't sleep well with my sleep apnea, I, my husband tells me you're throwing a fit, and I know I am, but I can't help it, and I have to, you know. She doesn't have those tools. I mean, I know how to de-escalate myself. She doesn't. So where were the adults to teach her how to de-escalate? Yeah. Yeah. They, every it, Everybody failed her. And I'm sure the grandmother, it sounds like the grandmother knew. And why weren't they asking her, okay, how do we handle her? And where was the principal? Where, were, where was the teacher support staff? Yeah. That's all great questions. Gina, thank you. Yeah, and when they had the grandmother on the phone, why didn't they say, you come down here and get her? We can't yeah. handle her. She's not your responsibility. Again, the reason they went to this school, the school recruited this girl. It wasn't their idea. 
and they said, we will give you support for this illness. This is not what support looks like. Definitely not. Let's, uh, let's try Alex in Kansas City before we get to the bottom of the hour. Hi, Alex. Hi, guys. And all of this is just uh, heartbreaking. But um, I, I, I think there's something that needs to be uh, addressed. What, what about what happened with the mom after she found out that her daughter had had her sunglasses taken away? Was Did she do something? Like, the main thing, I guess, uh, that I'm getting at today is that I worked for a maximum security juvenile detention center in Texas called the Devereaux Foundation, and we had kids there that were six years old, and there wasn't anything wrong with them except for the fact that they were bedwetters. But their parents took this action against these children, saying they were dangerous, and they dropped them off there. And the impact on that little kid is beyond comprehension. Because, you know, the this little girl, I, I don't know what they're going to do to help her. Because that's just, it's so ridiculously bad. Yeah, they, thank you, Alex. So, yeah, the damage they did to her and to whatever her relations are going to be with adults, with police, with teachers from now on, she's going to associate that because that's how six-year-old minds work. She's going to associate that with the most terrifying moments of her life. We have callers on hold, 913-586-7798. Give us a couple minutes here. We'll be back with more of your calls next on KMBZ. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, John, I think you said it right earlier. Everything went wrong here. Everyone involved in this failed this six-year-old. Nobody did anything right here. No, and it was a six-year-old, again, if you missed the beginning of this, who was hauled out of class with zip ties around her her wrists because her wrists were too small for handcuffs by police after throwing a tantrum in class. There's more to the story. She has a sleep apnea issue, which leads to irritability. The school knew, promised her grandparents that, that uh, and her parents that she, that she would be supported in class, and instead she was taken off in zip ties. We'll go back to it and bring in Tom and Independence up next. Hi, Tom. Are you there? We yeah. are. We'll be here till two. Okay. What's on your mind? All right. So I used to work uh, for a large school district here um, in, in the Kansas City area, and I, I I've been in the situation. I've been on the other side where um, you can do everything right, and you can handle the situation right, and try. We were trained in de-escalation and try and de-escalate, and kids would still kick you, hit you, spit on you, everything that they, that they could do, um, and then the parents would say, "Well, they just throw fits," and that's. 
you know, it, it's one thing, but there's got to be something else. Like there's there's something else going on here that we don't know that the school district can't share because of privacy privacy laws. Where I, I doubt this kid was in a regular classroom. I, I'm sure that they got removed to another classroom before they were just put in handcuffs or put in zip ties and taken out. Do we know anything about that? No, none of that is in the story. And it, yeah, I know why you're reaching for that, Tom, but the thing is I've known and run into way too many stupid people in my life to be surprised by it anymore. Right, and, and I agree with you, but I've been on the other side where I, I got accused of, of strangling a kid, um, and he said that he had marks on his neck. And we were trained in, in how to restrain somebody, and I was actually an instructor on how to restrain them. And I did it exactly right, and this kid went home and told their parents that I strangled them. Um, and he said it while, while, I was doing the, while I was doing the hold. He said, you're strangling me, you're strangling me. There were two other people in the room, um, and he still went home and said this, that we're watching what I was doing, making sure that I was doing everything right, um, and it made the news. And so then the school can't say, well, this is what we know. This is what we've done because their their hands are tied. They can't say anything about the event. Well, hers were and, too. Right. Well, true. Literally. Um, but after something else happened that we have no idea what actually but happened. I don't. But keep in mind, the officer here, the school resource officer was fired pretty quickly. Right. So yeah, and, no one's saying the girl yeah. got physical. Hold on. No one's saying it's sort of the opposite of your situation, right? It's we right. have a lot of evidence of what happened here. I mean, we know that she was taken to a police station. We know that, that zip ties were brought because her hands couldn't fit into handcuffs. They were too small. We know that she had a mugshot. I mean, we, we know yeah. what happened and no one is saying, there, there's no reporting anywhere that says she got physical and like hit anybody. Otherwise I would have said, why was the officer fired? Well, but they, no one would say that. Would the mom come out and say, yeah, she hit at the officer? I mean, if she was, what was she accused of? What was the charge? It was, was a battery? Misdemeanor battery. And, and I so think if, if that were the case, the teacher probably would have said. Right. But, but the battery has to be that she struck somebody. Battery isn't just no, like verbal comment. No, absolutely, like absolutely not. I went over that before. Battery means, uh, means unwanted touching. That's it. If she, had, if she had gone to grab the glasses back from the teacher and touch the teacher, that's misdemeanor battery under Florida law. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's interesting. I did not know that. I didn't hear you say that before. I'm sorry okay. about that. No, that's right. I, I, and, and granted, there are probably things that, that people did wrong. Like, I'm not excusing that. But the school district and other people that know about the situation have to keep their mouths closed because of privacy. They can't share any other information. And so it's, it's really hard to jump to conclusions when we don't have all the information. I guess is my, probably my biggest point. All right. Uh, there's another side to this that we don't have. Tom, I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. I just, I, I find it hard. I've seen enough six-year-olds throw temper tantrums. I find it hard to believe that any of that necessitated calling a cop. I have seen plenty of school districts completely fail in the way that you don't want to think that they can. And I think that's what, <clears throat> I think that's what's going on here is that you don't want to think that this, that this could be your kid in a school that fails in every way like this. This is the only time I'll make an analogy with this story to the six-year-old in Virginia Beach. But in that case, that was another situation where we had 15 signs that this kid was trouble and should not have been in class that day, right down to mom and dad that should have been in class with him. Yeah. And it, and it failed in every direction. I mean, this happens where everybody does the wrong thing.
Respectfully, I disagree. I, I don't think there's anything as to we don't know. I, I think this is exactly what happened. That everybody involved in this overreacted completely. Yeah. And it ended up, again, I mean, even that misdemeanor battery charge, for whatever reason it was, and that could have been as simple as the cop walking in saying, okay, she's throwing a tantrum. I can see that. Did she touch you? Yes, she did. Okay, there you go. There's the charge. Out she goes in, in zip ties. When we don't know what that touch was. And, uh, yeah, it... it I mean, the fact that that charge was dropped a day later, it, mm-hmm. it didn't take any time. The prosecutor looked at this and went, are you serious? No. Right. And threw it out. Yeah. Yeah. And if there is more to this story, it will come out in the lawsuit. In in the discovery, in the lawsuit, we will learn whatever we don't know. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks to everybody for getting in. Uh, moving on here to the story about this church um where was this church england (laughs) okay yeah i love this one though because Mm -hmm. it it speaks to what 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 exactly is a church um i was actually sitting in a church one time as a kid uh listening to this very sermon where the the preacher is a lutheran preacher uh what is a church is it the building is it this is that and and what it came down to is no a church is the congregation it's the fellowship and the people and all of that um was his line on it anyway but in this case, it gets down to a, a, a church building that's a long standing. I mean, it's been there for hundreds of years, literally. Uh, it's called St. Ayas. And what they decided to do is every year the town where this, it's in Cornwall, the town where, uh, where, where the church exists has a September festival. And every, you know, people come in from miles around and it's very pretty and they have fun and it's just a big deal. It draws a lot of tourism to town. So the vicar, this is Church of England we're talking about. So the vicar decides, okay, um, while the festival is going on, I'm going to put in beer taps in the church. We're going to have a couple of keggers brought in and we're going to have the beer taps up there so that it, it, while – now, this is not while services are going on, obviously, but while the festival is going on, we want people to come in here and maybe see the church and look at this beautiful old building and have a beer. That's how we're going to draw them in. And maybe, you know, you never know. If, if somebody who hasn't been to the church before comes in and sees what a beautiful place this is, maybe they'll join the church. And then – People saw beer taps in church <laughs> and went out of their minds. Because you can't have that <laughs> no. at all. Um, and again, the reverend defended it. But the move was slammed by outraged churchgoers who said, this is a house of God, not a pub. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite line in this, I mean, you want to talk about taking something to the, to the nth possible mm-hmm. degree. Listen to this. Churchgoer Barry Lewis, a longstanding member of the congregation, said... To put a bar in the church desecrates the memory of those who died for their faith. So wow. in his mind, the vicar is now trashing the memories of the martyrs. <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible. Um, now, with that, though, there are some members of this church that are admitting, like, we don't love it. Uh-huh. That, that's something like we really support. But you're right. There were people that have come into this church for the first time 
because of this attraction. Yeah, and he, and he told him. I mean, the vicar said to the congregation when they, when they were getting more and more upset about this, he told him, "It's not going to be here forever. We're not right. going to ha- you're not going to be able to get up during church services on Sunday and walk up and, you know, fill a cup and then go back and sit down in the pew." That it was only while the festival was going on and then he was going to have them immediately removed. They're they're not a permanent fixture in there, <laughs> but people are so upset and and I wonder you know, I mean, we're having a good laugh about this because of, of the kind of reaction to it. But I wonder if it were your church building that, again, services are not happening while this is going on. No beer is being dispensed during services. But is that kind of thing, even when the congregation aren't there, is that still a violation of what a church building should be? I am not qualified to answer that question. Nor am but, I, which is why I asked. Right. I will happily. I mean, If you want to take the very loose version of what a church is, you um, like we should Google like where church services take place. It's not always in a church. Sure, they call them church services because they're and they're more religious services, and sometimes they're not spiritual services. Whatever they don't always take place in a church. And I mean, there are there are churches in strip malls. I was just gonna say, what if they, t- there's one right around the corner from me. There's right on Roanoke Parkway there. It's just the, an office in a building. My understanding is that the location doesn't matter. It's just that it happens. Yeah. Again, experts can argue with me. Um, somebody asked, what about communion wine? Uh, yeah, okay. I can see that. I don't know enough about Church of England, although if I remember right, uh, Church of England in the United States is kind of equivalent to the Anglican, uh, the Anglican, well, that is the Church of England. The Anglican Church in the UK is kind of equivalent to the Episcopal Church here. If I have that wrong, correct me, because I could easily have that screwed up, but I think that's true. So, and I went to an Episcopal school for a while, and they did serve us wine at the services. I mean, they didn't serve us wine, but they gave us communion wine. So <laughs> they weren't like handing out glasses of Prosecco. <laughs> it would have been easier to get through the service. Fun. But yeah, uh, but yeah it, it, so I know that that may be part of it as well. Um, someone else pointed out Jesus' first miracle was the wedding at Canaan where he t- changed water into wine. So there's some precedent there. He didn't change it into Molson, but, you know, I guess same exists. <laughs> if you want to weigh in. On the very philosophical question of what is a church, <laughs> feel free with 16, 16 minutes to go here in the hour. Uh, we can certainly take your comments. Still to come at some point here today, uh, it turns out that in order to turn the streetcar into a Barbie-themed um, event, that was taxpayer money. We'll talk about how you feel about that coming up next here on KMBZ. 913-586-7798. Okay, it's not very often that we talk about tax dollars being spent on the streetcar. Because as we know, the streetcar is funded by those who live on the streetcar line based on a property tax thing. And it's free to those who ride it. Then we get into marketing. And it's a question of whether it the payback is worth what they spent in order to wrap the streetcar in Barbie. Uh yeah there's a lot here uh 25 grand is the pardon me that was my mic not me uh dollars is what this cost to do the the wrap in the barbie thing and i you know i've got some questions about this but i'm not going to lose my mind over it but and i'll get to why here in a second because the $25,000 is part of the marketing budget that's already earmarked for the streetcar it's not $25,000 extra dollars 
That's already funded from tax dollars. Right. It's it's yes. already there. It's already in their their coffers. They can do whatever they want with it. My real problem with this is, and Tom Jaron, I love you, but uh when when it's when he said okay well this is about the the alignment this is about increasing ridership first of all i don't know anybody who's gonna go well you know i wasn't gonna <laughs> ride the streetcar but now that they've wrapped it in barbie stuff i'll go ahead okay right. you got me right. uh so the yeah whatever um but if if you're gonna do something like that that's aligned with a brand have them pay for it. You're advertising. And he says, well, this isn't about, about advertising the movie. Whether it's about that or not, that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Have them pay you. Have them add twenty five grand to the budget for the streetcars marketing. And he sort of says a couple of different things. First, he says they use alignments like this to be able to sell sponsorships for other streetcars. I don't understand what they mean by that. I, I don't understand how doing what? Barbie like this gets you other sponsorships. Uh, yeah, I don't either. But that's what he's saying is that yeah, yeah. by by doing this, people will say, "Ooh, I didn't know you could wrap the streetcar in that that you know Garmin or somebody will go, "Ooh, we want to have a Garmin streetcar and then pay them for it." I don't know if that's going to happen either. Do they not already know they can do that? <laughs> yeah, right. Is what? it like does what? Garmin say, "Hey, we didn't know what it was going to look like until you wrapped it in Barbie. Now we'll do that." Here's a crazy idea. Why don't you, I don't know, pay somebody to start making some phone calls to local businesses like, oh, I don't know, the Chiefs, the Royals, Garmin. I mean, you go right down the line and you could probably come up with a hundred of them before even thinking about it too hard. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't get this. I, I, I am okay with the idea of spending marketing money. I mean, but but the purpose of marketing is either to increase ridership. I mean, quite frankly, the purpose is to make more money. So either to increase ridership or increase sponsorships in other ways. I don't get how this did that. No. And I think, yeah, he's saying that it's going to do both things. I can't see my way clear to thinking, okay, yeah, the money's going to start rolling in now. Or people are really going to start, you know, riding on the streetcar now because... It's it's wrapped in Barbie, uh, and and that goes for anything. I mean, you know, whether it's a beer sponsorship or a Barbie sponsorship, it does that part of it doesn't make any difference to me. But it, it should you should be able to see that through line fairly simply, and neither one of us can. No, um, and this goes through the end of October. I mean, this is a this is a pretty lengthy time frame here. I mean, it looks cool. I can't argue sure. with the fact that that it looks neat. But could you make more return on your investment with the twenty five grand with something else? Yeah, is there a better way to market? Um, yeah. Especially if you're talking about marketing sponsorships, and there has right. to be. Right. All right. Uh, it took Bob Ross 30 minutes to create the painting <laughs> that just sold for nearly $10 million. I yeah uh, or it, is it hasn't happened yet right it, that's what it's for that's, sale that's what they that's what they're hoping okay. to get out of it yes uh, this was 1983 the very first episode now I, I'm curious about this because I would love to know more about what happened Joy of Painting which is where you found Bob Ross on PBS for many many years and it was a huge hit show it's it's now got its own channel on Pluto I mean Bob Ross is as popular or more so now. Than mm-hmm. he was when his show was on PBS. He's become uh, kind of an avatar for just anything that is completely relaxing and, you know, happy little trees. And mm-hmm. just that the, uh, there's even a Bob Ross, uh, what was the ASMR, like that you listen to to go to sleep. <laughs> there's, there's a Bob Ross thing you can do on that too. So his very first painting from the very first episode of the TV show is the one that we're talking about. And the article goes through a lot of uh, you know, a lot of the history of the show. 
But I wonder what happened. I mean, he made so many of these paintings on TV, and that wasn't the only time he ever painted. I mean, he did plenty of stuff that was off the air as well. But uh, where have those, the, the TV show artworks, where have those been kept this whole time? Yeah, this is a gallery in Minneapolis. And so I don't know, boy, that's a fascinating question, because there are 400 paintings that he did. Over, now, this is the first, so this is the really important one, but there yeah. are 400 of these. Yeah, are they in, like, does his estate, who owns those that then can <laughs> yeah. be sold? Um, well, it, according to the article, it said, what happened to the rest of the work? Some internet aficionados said Ross didn't want his paintings available for sale because it, it would have detracted from the joy he derived from, from creating them. But according to a guy who's a representative of the gallery, he said he sold them at malls. He gave away painting lessons, and so there wow. were a lot of paintings that went out there. He said, I believe, sadly, a lot of those paintings didn't make it to the popularity that, that Ross has today. So, yeah, I mean, the works of art themselves, it's all landscapes. It's all, mm -hmm. you know, happy little trees. So it's not artwork you would look at and go, there stands, you know, something that will one day be alongside a Van Gogh. That's not what he was creating. He was try he was marketing, I guess, if you want to use that word, painting to everybody saying you can do this, too. And the owner of this painting is not in a hurry to sell it. Really just seems to want to get the money that it's worth, not not a quick sale. Saying, like, this is way more than any of the other, other paintings have sold for, but this was the first. And so that makes it significant. Yeah, the very first episode of the TV show. This is the one that he made on that. And and I, I'm surprised that that one has survived this long, to be honest, because the, all they knew was they were making a cute little TV show for PBS. Fascinating. So we'll see how much it ends up being sold for uh, as time goes on here. All right, we'll take a break here. Coming up, we have a lawsuit against Starbucks to talk about. It's exactly the kind of lawsuit you think about eh, maybe the marketing not being what it what it claims to be. We'll get to that coming up in the next hour here on KMBZ. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.